Thank you for joining us for another leadership podcast by Pastor Jurgen Matesius, lead pastor of C3 Church in San Diego. Hey everybody, welcome to the December edition of the C3 San Diego Leadership Podcast. I'm here with Pastor Jurgen Matesius. Hello everybody. We are so glad that you're tuning in with us uh, and we are so excited for what's happening and what has happened in 2013. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about something happening in January, January 12th and 13th, which is our Freedom Conference. It is going to be very powerful. The Reverend Mike Connell, aka known as the Ghostbuster, coming all the way from Hastings, New Zealand. And um, it's just such a powerful weekend, powerful week for our church, uh, where we all get cleaned up again. Get, right. uh, get those demonic attachments and strongholds and flipping occupation and, you know, uh, generational curses, all busted, broken, so you can kind of step into everything God's got for you. So it's going to be incredible. Like every year it's packed, every yeah. year it's sold out. Yeah. There's still a few spaces available. Registered now, it's only $40, which is ridiculous. And um, I'm telling you, it is going to be life-changingly brilliant. Don't live with the rubbish you've been living with. Time to get out from under that. Time to get those things evicted and uh, and walk in the freedom that Christ purchased for you 2,000 years ago on the cross. That's right. So January 12 and 13? 12 and 13. So you can go to our website, www.c3sandiego.com. Sign up today, $40. It will change your life. Let's get into it today. uh, We wanted to talk about planned success. We just had Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving is traditionally a lower attended service. Everyone's away on vacation, they're with family members, so church is the last thing on their mind. And for us at C3 San Diego, where it used to be one of our lowest attended Sundays, was actually one of our highest attended Sundays. And it wasn't a mistake. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, success, how did it happen? Oh, it was just a fluke. Well, this wasn't a fluke. This was a planned success for us. We planned for it. We strategized for it. We had a guest speaker come in for it. We were planning to have one of our biggest Sundays, and we did have one of our biggest Sundays. Yeah. So what, what I wanted to talk about today with you, Pastor Jurgen, was why is that? Why should we plan for events? Why should we plan um, for downtimes? Why should we know when we have seasons and when, what, are, what are our seasons? Do we have seasons where we have uh, more people coming into church? Do we have seasons where we have less people coming into church? And what do we do when we're in those seasons? So first question is this, um, what did we do for this weekend that we had, um, where we had one of our biggest services, and what was the reasoning behind it, why did we plan on having the Beveers come in, and what was your thought and your process behind doing this weekend? You know, the the first year that we started, 2005, um, Thanksgiving weekend almost killed us. I mean, I was, I just thought, I'm going to quit. I'm going to go on valet cars or, you know, go and get a paper run or something like that because we literally went from 130 people the week before down to like 25 over Thanksgiving. Nobody showed up. Everyone was out of town. Everyone was away. And even if people weren't out of town, I found that they didn't bother coming to church because it was a long weekend. It was like, you know, so they're in vacation mode. So... I realized then we had to do something. Second year, I thought maybe it would just change. Maybe it was just, you know, people were slack and carnal. 
Second year, same thing. Second year, we're running probably about 300 people. And uh, Thanksgiving rolled around, there was 70 people in church. It was like you could have shot a cannon and not hit anybody. And so I sat down with the wow. team and I just said, this is what we're going to do next year. Next year, we're going to, hot, we're going to uh, fill this low weekend by spending money. And uh, I remember my business manager back then said, we can't spend money. It's our l- there is no money. Wow. It's like we go backwards financially. I said, well, we're not going to let what is in the kitty drive what's there. Yeah. We're actually going to spend money. We're going to get you know a really good, well-known uh, speaker of renown that can you know draw a crowd and actually make, turn a negative into a positive, turn a losing Sunday into a winning Sunday. And so we had John and Lisa Bevere come, and uh, you know we had our biggest services. And I think we've had them four out of the last five years. Yeah, we had right. Cy Rogers another year that was incredibly mm-hmm. successful. And so now it's one of the most successful, and it actually is one of our biggest giving, biggest attendant uh, attendance, and you know the, the weekend pays for itself. So, so that's just the strategy of you know God gives us the governorship or the uh, you know, He told us to exercise dominion and to subdue things. And so one of the things that we've got to subdue is low weekends. And like you said before, Pastor David, is there are times and seasons. There are, you know, you have your winter, you have your spring, you have your summer, and then you have your fall. And you've got to recognize your seasons. And the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and says, I want you to be ready in season and out of season. Always be prepared to preach the gospel. And so we have to be aware of the seasons, but we've also got to exercise dominion and subdue those seasons and turn negatives into positives. That's great. So what would you say then to the person who comes back with that and says, well, it's traditionally a low weekend. Why don't we just cut our losses and move on and and spend all of our money on when we know people are going to be there and we know there's going to be a big harvest? What, What would you say to those listeners out there that are thinking that way? Yeah, you know, I I would just say that, um, that, you know, there's, uh, the Bible says a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And, um, you know, there's an old adage that says, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail already. Um, I, I just think that you can have a winner. Like, you know, we've got 52 Sundays a year. And, uh, and I want 52 wins. That's really how I approach pastoring our church is I, I don't care what happens during the week so much. If it doesn't contribute to Sunday, then yeah. it's really not important. But I have 52 statements, 52 dramatic moments in the calendar a, a year and uh, to influence a city. That's really all it is. And then 90-minute moments. So 52 90-minute moments. So... You know, that's, uh, that's, you know, 78 hours a year to impact the community. And so I want to make such a powerful impact and uh, I can't afford a dud Sunday, a week Sunday. Well, you know, no one's going to be here this Sunday. It's, you know, Super Bowl. Hey, well, you know. So what we've got to do is, you know, I believe that God gives us the the joy of problem solving and you know he he's right alongside us you know he's given us the holy spirit who's the gift of wisdom who's the spirit of wisdom to you know to come up with wisdom and strategy and the holy spirit is such a wonderful silent partner because he'll actually whisper into your head and not even take credit for it so you think it's your brilliant idea probably you know 95 percent of my brilliant ideas aren't actually my brilliant ideas they're his but That's I just right. kind of, you know, and he's, he's, you know, he's just, you know, he's so secure in his godhood. He's like, yeah, yeah, that was your idea. 
And, uh, but really, it wasn't. It was his. But I just find that, you know, he, he gives us wisdom. He gives us strategy. And he wants us, you know. And I, I just think that there's something that dies in us if we, if we just kind of say, well, you know, I'm just, man, I'm not even going to bother trying. It's, it's too difficult. It's too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Jesus chose the disciples and he chose them because they didn't tell him it can't be done. You know, when he fed the, the 5,000, you know, and, uh, and he said, you know, you give them something to eat. None of them dared to say, man, it's impossible. That can't be done. You know, Philip says, oh, there's a lad here with five loaves and two fish. But where are they amongst so many? And no one dared tell him it can't be done. And I think that, you know, if we have a healthy fear of God, we don't tell God something can't be done. We find a way through it. We find a way around it. That's right. And uh, I think one of the big things with this podcast today is we had planned for the success. So how important is it then with not just in the low seasons, but for the whole year in general to plan out the whole year of what events were happening, when are they happening, and how important is it to plan certain conferences at the right time or like our Freedom Conference coming up. It's at the first of the year for a reason. It's yeah. at the first of the year because it's a new year, New Year's resolutions. People are wanting to start over. People are wanting to start afresh. So how important is it for different events throughout the year to be in certain seasons that the church is going through. Yeah, it's so important, David. I, um, I, you know, I think ever since I became a Christian, I every year went into a, the new year with a New Year's resolution, only to find that the intentions of my heart and my motivation, while genuine they were, I found myself, I found myself hammered by the fact that I was still carrying last year's habits, the year before's issues, and those things very quickly choke New Year's habits. So we put the Freedom Conference in January so that the people who say, you know what, this year I'm going to get out of debt, this year I'm going to get off drugs, this year I'm going to beat this alcohol addiction, this year I'm going to you know, get a, have a better marriage, I'm going to break last pornography, this year is the year I'm going to um, you know, buy a house, this year I'm going to see you know, my kids flourish, I'm going to spend more time with my kids. And so people start out making all kinds of, of wonderful New Year's resolutions and they're wonderful aspirations. The problem is we still live with us and we still live with our baggage and our issues that weigh us down and choke and kill those beautiful intentions. And you only need to do that two or three times and then you get to the point where, you know what, I'm not even going to shoot anymore. I'm not even going to aim at the target anymore. I'm not even going to dream anymore. I'm not going to plan anymore. I'm not going to have any New Year's resolutions anymore. What's the point? I keep failing. So we wanted to head that off. So we we bring a guy in who moves powerfully in the anointing, powerfully in the Holy Spirit to bust, you know, to bust demonic strongholds so that people feel the freedom, you know, to, to not only live free, run free, but to hit, you know, those, those goals that they set. Then, you know, obviously we have, um, you know, halfway through the year, we have our Empower Conference, just because we just find that people need something in the middle of the year. Our leaders need something fresh to charge them. You know, it's the middle of the year. They've had six months of slogging, six months of... So, you know, that's the last weekend or the last week of June. So if you're in the United States or you want to come to the United States last week of June, get to the Empower Conference this year we've got uh, you know Christopher Hill yeah. from Potter's House in um, Colorado. We've also got in Denver, Colorado. We've also got Bishop Michael Pitts, That's right. you know, and you know a whole swag of others, and it's going to be unbelievable. But again, 
you know, we, we fit things in strategically. The, the other thing that I've found is that there's a lot of people that think that, you know, everything has to be organic. And I, I believe in organic over synthetic. I prefer to eat organic food than synthetic foods. I'd prefer an organic cure to a synthetic cure. Uh, you know, drugs is kind of like a last resort for me. Um, although organic deodorant, the word organic is just substituted for this product does Doesn't not work. work. That's right. And, uh, you know, but other than that, you know, I, 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 so I like organic, but, you know, God didn't just kind of stick Adam in a garden and say, hey, you know, whatever you need is going to be grown around you and no effort. He actually put Adam in the garden and he said to Adam that he needed to tend and he needed to keep the garden. And in Genesis one twenty nine, God said to Adam, See, I've given you every tree, every herb, every fruit plant that yields seed within itself. To you it shall be for food. In other words, if you want more watermelon, mate, there's seeds in there. You plant. I'm not doing it for you. If you want to grow more apple trees, take the seed from those apples that you're eating and put them in the ground and grow as knock your socks off, champ. Have as many apple trees as if you don't like oranges. Just leave the one tree in there and don't plant any more seed. But whatever you want, you dictate. So so even though it was organic, he, he asked Adam to direct it. Now, I would probably say that what we try and do is we want to direct the organic growth of God. We want, we want to see where God is moving, what God is doing, and then direct it. So we're not trying to force the hand of God or make something happen or asking God to bless what we do. There's a, there's a synchronicity where I try and flow with the Holy Ghost, try and flow with God, but understand that God has given me this garden, this church, this city. You know, the, the garden is the church in the city, and the ch- the garden of Eden is meant to grow and and infiltrate the wilderness of our city. And the only way that happens is with strategic planting of seeds. You know, Adam was meant to take seed from within the garden and go to the very edge of the garden where garden met wilderness and then plow the wilderness and put seed in the wilderness to decrease the wilderness and increase the garden. And so that required strategy, that required planning, but that required using the organic processes of biology that God has already set in place. And I think that that's, that's what we try and do with church. We're trying to look at, okay, what are some of the areas uh, in our city, in our community, what are some of the needs? What are some of the wildernesses? What are some of the, the places where demons demons hang in the wilderness? It's the devil's domain. Where are the devil's domain? Let's go and smack those things. So when we moved here, David, you'd know the high schools were a wilderness. There was devil territory. There was no prayer, no Bible reading in schools. But we've had a, a specific year in, year, year after year's onslaught into trying to bust into the schools and the reason you know we had 425 people at our um, stadium night the other night 425 teenagers is because of how hard you guys have worked to get into schools well what is that that is strategic but it's organic we're taking kingdom things but we're planning it in the wilderness great yeah that's that's so good now i think some people out there look at ministries like us and look at some of the bigger ministries and say well they're just blessed they're just have the favor of god and and we don't have it but it's it's much more than that 
when they see success, there's a cost associated with with that yeah. success. And I think what most people don't see is the cost that we are willing to pay before we even see the harvest that, that, that we have. Mm. And sometimes that's money. Sometimes that's time. Mm. Usually it's money, I should yeah. say. Usually and always it's time. Mm. But sometimes it's you know, 10000 20000 but we're paying up front before we even see a harvest. Mm. So what would you say to the people out there? If, why should they pay a price before they see a harvest? Why is it important to pay a price yeah. before they see a harvest? You know what, there's a, there's a myth that we have to dispel that, uh, and you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Pastor David, when you said, oh, you know, some people just think, well, it's just, you know, God has really blessed you. You know, my senior pastor, Phil Pringle, I love it because, you know, people that tour the facilities there at Oxford Falls, it is extraordinary. He is an incredible man of faith incredible kingdom builder you know great man of god and uh when he um when he built that building and all those buildings and bible colleges and youth rooms and everything you know he's had people tour the building and people come up and they say wow god has really blessed you god has really blessed you wow what an awesome facility god has blessed you and Pastor Phil's response is, yeah, you know, we, we had a little bit to do with it as well. Yeah. You should have seen when God had it by himself. It was just a run-down chicken farm. Yeah, that's you right. know, we actually had a little bit to do with it ourselves. And, it, you know, at first it, it, it offends religious people because yeah. they want to just believe, they want to live in a make-believe world that God, you know, blesses one and, you know, that God is like a caste system God that he makes one person wealthy, another person middle class, and you'll be poor, and then you'll be dirt poor and struggling. That's not God. The Bible says that God causes his sun to shine on the wicked and the just. God causes his rain to fall on the wicked and the just. In other words, God's an equal opportunity God. God is an equal opportunity God. Whether you're, whether you're wicked or just, you have the same opportunities. You have the same access to sunshine. You have the same access to rain. You have the same access to resources. What you do or don't do with it, don't blame on God. It's actually you. And so, so what we found is there is a price to pay. And the first price is you've got to be willing to work hard. Uh, you've got to be willing to believe hard. And then you've got to be willing to pay hard. And it's, most people want everything for free. Uh, you know, most people don't understand. When, when we moved to San Diego, um, you know, we had to put $100,000 on our mortgage to start the church, to you know, buy sound systems and buy all that kind of stuff, and and uh, you know there was a there was a level of support, but we weren't looking to for somebody else to pay for our dream. If I would have begun the church, having somebody else pay for my dream, I'd still be today looking for somebody else to pay for my dream. And if some there wasn't anyone else to pay for my dream, I'd have I'd have a victim mentality, and I'd be sitting here today you know, talking on this podcast saying, well, you know, David, you know, life's just difficult and I just don't have anybody who's out there to pay for my dream. I've got this awesome dream, but nobody... Hey, is there anybody out there who has a spare couple of million who can help us pay for our dream? No, no. You know, you pay the price. And I found that when, when you pay the price, God honors that. And you can't, you can't expect of others what you're unwilling to do yourself. And, um, you know, because we are the first people to pay the price... That's what you attract. You don't attract to you what you want. You attract to you who you are. Mm. So because we sacrificially give, and, and so I make it a discipline that we want to be uh, you know, the top five givers. In the eight years of our church, thank you, Jesus, we've stayed in the top five wow. givers of our, of our church. Now, I've got four kids, and you know, we came over here with no salary, no promise of anything. But yet I just know that I don't give because I have a salary. I give the salary always follows, the blessing always follows. 
But I just found that if, if I will model that, then, then the spirit that is over our church and will flood through our church is a spirit of sacrificial giving, of sacrifice. And so, you know, I, I know pastors and, you know, and you need to understand that the negative scriptures in the Bible don't just apply to the heathen. So in the book of Proverbs, it says the lazy man desires and has nothing. So you can have a desire for a big church. You can have a desire for a successful ministry. You can have a desire for a thriving, you know, attendance. But, but if you're lazy, the lazy man desires and has nothing. And so I know a lot of lazy pastors who all that they attract is that laziness. Mm-hmm. I know pastors who preach, you know, the law of reciprocity and generosity and giving, but they're the most miserly, stingy, small-minded pastors. And they wonder why they're always struggling financially. It's because they are always struggling financially. Mm. And so all they're going to attract to them is is people who mm. struggle financially. You have to break through. You have to cultivate a generous spirit. You've got to enlarge your capacity. You've got to increase your giving. You've got to increase yeah. your vision. You've got to be the hard worker. You've got to. And if you'll do those things, then that's what, what you'll attract. And so I've found that 90% of building the, the church and building the kingdom is I have to be willing to do what doesn't come natural to me, what is uncomfortable to me, what is even foreign to me, um, because that's what God requires. That's great. And so with, with the costs kind of associated with success and different events and things we put on, um, right now we're in the middle of our Twisted Musical production. It actually starts tonight, and it's sold out. We've had volunteers pretty much here working every night of the week for the past month. And if you look at them and if you talk to them, they're excited still. Yeah, they're, They've been given all their spare time, but they're still pumped up. They're mm-hmm. still fired mm-hmm. up. So how would you communicate to a leader or a senior pastor out there that right now is going to leave from this podcast and say, hey, we're doing this event, we're going to put this thing on. And how do you communicate and still motivate your volunteers and your staff that during a Christmas time where people think it's just vacations and hanging out with family, we're actually working hard right now. And if you look at our church, we're working harder, but people are happy and people are motivated and people are, are inspired to work harder. Yeah. I think, I think you know, if, if you have a vision and you keep vision in front of pe- people, people don't mind sacrificing. You, you're going to struggle to get people to sacrifice or give or go the extra mile if you don't have a vision that inspires them. Right. So the first thing is you've got to have a vision that inspires them. Second thing is people, people don't want to just attend your church. You know, churches, you know, I hate the word church attendance. Uh, you know, how many people attend your church? Oh, man, that kills me. Uh, people don't want to attend. People want to participate. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would much rather look at, you know, to me, a healthy church is how many participators do you have? How many volunteers do you have? How many connect? How many people are involved in a connect group? How many people are going to your, you know, your DNA classes? How many people are involved in the worship and the singing and the youth and the young adults and you know how many participators have you got? Because people generally want to. And so with our twisted musical, there are people with singing and acting and theatre that are loving it because they're having an opportunity to express their gifting. Mm. But. Uh, you know, the flip side of all of that is that you can actually run your church into a ground by mm. by having a constant busy schedule. Mm. And so just like a marathon runner, you know, uh, monitors, you know, his heart rate, his you know, breathing, he's pacing himself. 
he also has to, whether he realizes it or not, he has to keep himself hydrated. And so, you know, because there are times where you can run, especially in cooler climates where you don't feel thirsty, but in a, in a marathon, by the time you feel thirsty, it's too late. You're actually dehydrated. You, you have to drink water while you're not yet thirsty. And my job as the senior pastor is to make sure that I've got my finger on the pulse of our teams. Mm-hmm. You know, where's their heart rate at? Mm-hmm. You know, because if I, if, building this church in the city is a marathon, it's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And if they're sprinting, they're not going to make it to the finish line. So I've got to... I've got to pull things back or I've got to find somebody else. And quite often you have the scenario where you have the, uh, you know, the Lone Ranger syndrome where it's one person yeah. trying to do everything and uh, not raising up teams and releasing other people. And so, but at the same time, my job is to water them. And probably the, the, the greatest water I can give our people, number one is the water of the Holy Ghost, you know, praying for them, teaching them to do what they do, not just in their strength, but in the strength of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And then number two, the second word I would give them uh, is encouragement. Mm-hmm. You know, just, you know, thank you, appreciation. You're amazing. I love you. You're incredible. Thank you so much for your hard work. Man, what a great gift on your life. You're one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. I just love your servant heart. You're such a great hard worker. Just just doing that. That's what they need from a leader more than anything. And that is the best fuel. If you put that in your people, they'll, they'll, they'll run another 10 miles just because they feel valued. There's nothing worse than you running hard and wondering whether it's valued, whether it's noticed, whether it's appreciated. And so, you know, so I would say that would be yeah, big key. One thing that we've always done here, modeled from you, Pastor Jurgen, is after a season where we're working hard, we always celebrate and we always play hard. So we work hard, but we play hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most important things to do as, as a leader is after you work hard, you celebrate with your team and you play hard. And you, you celebrate a win, you celebrate a victory. Mm-hmm. So coming to a close today, are there any final thoughts you have for our leaders out there? Yeah, I, I would just say on that, don't, don't be so religious that you don't celebrate. That, that would be my, my favorite you know, thought that you just said. I remember, you know, uh, in the early years of ministry, we were in a, in a particular denomination that, you know, I don't know, like frowned on celebrating. But, I, mate, I love it. You know, after a win, book a really nice restaurant, take everybody out, you pay for the meal, you know, crack open a bottle of bubbly if, you're, you know, if your faith allows it, and, uh, and just, yeah. you know, have a toast to the victory. And, yeah. and then go around the room and just thank each person personally. Just, you know, it only needs 10 or 15 seconds for their contribution to the overall success and champion everybody, you'll find that the enlistment for the next task will be sky high because all of those people will do it again. And, you know, there's a reason football teams celebrate. There's a reason sporting teams celebrate. There's a, you know, they celebrate because it's, it's correct, and yet it's so seldom done in the church. It's mm-hmm. so sad. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. So uh, that is all we have for this month's edition of... This uh, December's edition of C3 San Diego's Leadership Podcast. I wanted to remind you as well to sign up for Freedom Conference, which I accidentally communicated the wrong dates to you. So I apologize for that. I wanted to see if you're on your toes. It's actually the 17th and 18th of January. 17th and 18th of January. All the information is at c3sandiego.com. Sign up and we can't wait to see you. We can't wait to see you there. And this is a shout out to Maza. Maza, we still miss you. And uh, you're a legend, Jimmy. That's right.
Thanks for listening to today's message. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com.